0: Does low-code enable the impossible in enterprise? Welcome to Low-Code Ninjas.
1: My name is Peggy Ansaltz. one of the co-hosts here, and we look at low-code at a lot of levels and a lot of verticals. But today, it's about the enterprise. You know, Where does it fit? What can it do? What can it enable and empower even in the Salesforce?
0: Excellent. And I'm John here. And specifically, we're talking about what was formerly impossible, or at least very, very impractical, things that took a long time or a lot of money. And we're talking about new apps that enhance process and enhance workflow.
1: And of course, it's more than that. It's great to have an uptick in productivity, but massive increases in sales we're going to hear about today, John. I was amazed. And we're going to hear about that from Greg Callahan. Greg is a partner at Bain a massive consulting company, I believe 40 years of history, bringing that all to mobile first. His focus, mobile marketing and sales, particularly B2B, or as he likes to call it, b 2 b to b right? So Greg, great to have you here.
2: Terrific. Thanks for having me.
0: Excited. We, we are very excited about it as well. And I actually worked for a company once that was acquired by Bain, I believe. So uh, kind of interesting here. You know, Greg, this is different for us. We're usually talking to marketers. We're talking to mobile marketers. We're talking to data scientists, other people like that. This is our first time where we're having an analyst and a consultant on. You are a partner at Bain, obviously. Tell us a little bit about what you do there to set the context or some things that you're going to talk about later.
2: Sure, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I'd say until about 24 months ago, my job was servicing and supporting uh, Bain clients globally. And I spent all of my time in what we call commercial excellence, which is all around product marketing and sales. And so how do you get the most out of your go to market organization? And in that role, I've worked across multiple organizations, across multiple topics and one topic that keeps coming back over and over and over again, and where we drive material value with our clients, is really in account planning. And so we went down this journey of saying, we, we love to partner, we love to work with different digital solutions to just try and make sure that that we're bringing the best to bear with our clients. And so it's taking Bain methodology and, and digital solutions from partners. And what we ended up finding is that we couldn't find someone to partner with that we really wanted to partner with. And so we started down this journey of building out our own sets of solutions built off of Bain's methodology. And so that's why I'm here today is, is really with a, I think of us as a startup inside of a broader consulting firm.
1: So that's really interesting because you're talking about what you enable at Bain, you know, but thinking about how that's delivered. Now, some of us, John and I, for example, we don't have a choice, we live mobile first, but I'm imagining that's not the same case for the enterprise, correct? Correct.
2: That's right. We certainly, uh, as you look across all of the sales tech, there's just been an explosion of sales tech, but the reality is, is that so much of that sales tech is actually not being deployed in a mobile way, or if it does have a mobile device, it's not being adopted. And so it, it really starts with having the right set of answers and methodology and building that into a, a mobile first, uh, approach that is usable, accessible, and, and ultimately adopted by sales organizations.
1: Mm-hmm and that's about account planning that's what you're really focused on right so what makes for a great experience there because that's not just an app that's quite customized that's quite um it has to be actionable actually it's not enough just to be on mobile and be an app
2: <laughs> absolutely i i think there there are a couple of things is we spent a lot of time working with our clients and understanding the needs And so it's as as with all organizations as you start with kind of what are you building and what are you trying to achieve. There are a couple things that came back loud and clear the first was hey I only want to I want to make my changes once, and so it needs to be deeply integrated with my CRM and so if i'm. Making decisions i'm thinking about a solution i'm thinking about context with my account I certainly don't want to be duplicating my effort in multiple places. The second piece was I need a, a really simple intuitive interface and I needed it to coach me through how to be more strategic. And so it, it, as we think about it, you know, the 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 use and the uh, accessibility and and the application it should be so simple to be strategic that you actually stop thinking about the technology. It, it all goes away and it's actually a conversation with yourself and your team on how do you actually get to those strategic insights that are going to break open that account for you.
0: It's really interesting you talk that way, because when we look at the history of enterprise technology, the history of enterprise technology is not characterized by extreme usability.
2: <laughs> uh, we hope to fix that. That is, that is for sure.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about low code. You're working with low code and you're building products with that. How's that fit in? Why have you used that? What's the importance of low code and low code platform to you?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think like all folks today, to spend one, two, three months, let alone one, two, three years, trying to build something to Bright is just not going to work in today's day and age. And so, what was really compelling as we started to think about our path was how can we take a truly agile test and learn approach in a in a low code environment where we can move rapidly, uh, take take best of breed things from different places, and ultimately do get to a solution much faster. And and that's actually. Not only for us, but also for our clients at the end of the day and our customers, they're constantly coming back with feedback of, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? How can you incorporate these elements and building this whole application in a low code way just enables our speed of response and uh, to be much, much
0: faster. So Greg, that's really, really cool. You're building really neat things, but I want to delve into a little bit of how low-code's making the difference for you. So characterize for us what it looks like to build a mobile app from the ground up, native mobile app, you know, what's the time involved and the cost involved to do the sorts of things that you would want to do versus using a low-code platform. What's that difference? Sure. So
2: at the end of the day, the way we thought about it is what is the experience we want to drive? How do we want our users to engage? And ultimately, when we think about our users, they're both engaging on desktop and on mobile. And we actually didn't want that experience to be different at all. The, the ease of access, the ease of writing, the ease of engagement in both places should be the same. And as, as we built this up as a SaaS solution, we didn't really want there to be massive variability across our, all of our different customer types. We actually wanted it to be simple, easy to easy to use right off the bat. And so when we thought about the different solutions there was you, you could you can imagine there are many different ways to build out that tech stack and make it work and and what was pretty unique is we started with actually what's the design how do we want to build and then what was unique is when we got to the actual movement to the mobile application with our with our partners uh, it was as as quick as you could think and so that that was what was truly unique about the 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 building experience, and so uh, I can I can tell you it was materially cheaper <laughs> to use <laughs> a low code option, but also it, it didn't it didn't impact the user experience, and that's the big was the big unlock for us. It was we did not want to uh, have a worse user experience outcome, and in fact it was easier to do, it was cheaper to build, uh, and we got the same type of experience that we wanted both on desktop and on mobile, and that's that's what we wanted to try with our users.
1: So we understand good reasons for leveraging a low-code platform. The low-code platform you've chosen, what company do you work with? And how are you actually working to produce this product?
2: You know, we're, we're working with the team at Follow Analytics. And they have been fantastic partners along the way. And I think what's pretty unique about Follow relative to other folks we've worked with is they really help you along the way in the broader project management sense. And so uh, as you think about product, you could you could... Hire a set of software, <laughs> a team, a software team. You you name it, and they can come in and give you give you some code and and move on. But what's pretty unique about the Follow team is that they really uh, get in the weeds with you, understand your product, and so when you actually get the solution at the end of the day, it's really what you wanted and much much more. And so that that is really what has made the partnership with Follows so strong. You know, they have the tech. And I have complete confidence in the tech, but they combine the tech plus plus the team. That's that's the special sauce. So hearing
1: somewhere in there, sort of like this evolutionary element there that you know you're really pleased that you can get that experience, but you're also, you know, in account planning, that's that's a moving target, right?
2: Yes, <laughs> it is. And I think uh, at the end of the day, there there are a couple there are a couple things that we've focused on as we think about account planning, which is it it needs It needs to be super simple. There are so many account planning solutions and tools and methodologies, and and you pick any topic in sales and everyone's got an approach. And what you do is when you go out into the field and you talk to the sales organizations and the people on the front line who have to do it, the only thing they tell you time and time and time again is, you know what? this is a massive administrative burden on me. And you asked me 50 questions. And then my marketing team came and added 10 more questions because they wanted no answers. And finance asked me 10 more questions. And at the end of the day, this is not a useful exercise. And so for us, simple, 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 simple. And if the sales team is getting value out of it, that's the target. And if they're not, that's the moment we need to start pulling back. And so coming to your point, Peggy, yeah, it's certainly a moving target. We, we believe, uh, Bain's been at this for 40 years, and we've done it in a pretty analog way for many of them. And so we've been working at this for a long time, and this was a big step change for us to take what was our analog approach and bring it to a digital medium.
0: It's really interesting to hear that because I've worked in companies in a a number of different areas where I've seen sales and marketing work together uh, or try to work together. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes that's a real challenge. And there's nothing more that salespeople hate than filling in fields yeah. <laughs> they, they hate that they, they want to do what they're good at they want to talk to people they want to have discussions they want to have you know the lunch and the, and the meeting and make the sale and get the contract and not fill out the million million other questions but guess what the cfo needs stuff and as you mentioned all the other places need stuff but you mentioned actually that the results are really really impressive there and I got to think, hey, at the end of the day, that's what salespeople care about the most is actually yeah. growing. So what are some of the results you've seen in organizations where you've done this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, very tangibly, we typically see uh, account planning is focused on a subset of accounts. So you're not going to really do it on the long tail. It's those accounts that you can book, drive differential performance in, in absolute dollars. And so whether it's the enterprise accounts, you name them, or the top 400 accounts, or the, the, the mid-size accounts on up, it's that there's a sweet spot in there. But for the accounts that you're doing strategic account planning on, we typically see a 20 to 30% uplift in, in performance of those accounts. And what precedes that is we typically see a three to five times increase in the actual pipeline for those accounts. And so you really see strategic results. And and the reason is, is because we are so well trained as as sales leaders as sales reps as people on the front line to go after live opportunities and so the entire CRM <laughs> industry has trained us so well what's a phase one of uh, what's a stage one what's a stage five what's my my uh my uh, proposal to negotiate how do i get my live opportunities through the funnel but what we've lost in all that is actually going and stimulating demand and so that's what we believe is our secret sauce and what differentiates our 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 methodology and approach versus others is at the end of the day, we actually need to teach our customers what we do. And we actually need to show them how we're different. And that means we actually have to go out and engage them and talk to them about our new solutions. Uh, you know, the the constant, the feedback I always get from CEOs and senior sales executives is they host these large, uh, large conferences for their top 100 uh, customers or top 200 customers. And at the end of those two to three days of this dog and pony show, you take them all through the stuff, you, you uh, shake their hand on the way out the door and they say, you know what, this was amazing. I didn't know you did that.
0: <laughs>
2: These are your top 100 to 200 accounts. I didn't know you did that. That this was <laughs> such a great learning for me. And the whole point of account planning is to remove, We we have to eliminate that word from your largest customers. And we do that through proactive engagement. Through sales process and uh, through account planning and then ultimately account planning drives much but much bigger ticket
1: sales it's really impressive with the pipeline i have to say i mean the increase in sales you know 2030 we discussed 30 to 40. um you know it's in that range but the pipeline being able to fill fill that i think that's really impressive and you've done some other impressive research on you know on growth overall you know what mm-hmm. makes for a low growth company versus a high growth company? What are they doing differently? What are some best practice? And that's gonna be also very mobile focused at this point. Yep. Um, what, what are some of the things that you learned from that?
2: There are a couple of things that jump out. The first one is um, everyone kind of knows what the right questions are. And so having the perfect question for account planning is not gonna make the difference. Asking if what's your growth strategy over 12 months versus 18 months versus 24 months, that's not gonna be a game changer. What we do find are the two really, really big drivers of performance. The first is, are you mining your best practices? Are you actually going in, you're getting whatever the big deal wins are and codifying that and bring it back to your sales organization, getting your subject matter experts into those accounts where you need to make a difference. And so it's it's really building best practices so that they can be repeatable. Mm-hmm. And the second one, uh, as you pointed out there, Peggy, is really about being so integrated within their workflow. And so today, part of the challenge within sales is we have this massive swivel chair problem, whereby you're in one application, then you're in the no- next application for your incentives, and the next application for your your uh, your your enablement uh, tools and whatnot. And what the feedback, time and time again, of high growth businesses is that they've have a mobile-first approach. Uh, they've integrated it w- when it's not on mobile and on desktop, it's in your core applications, whether that be your CRM or something else, but everything has to be so natively integrated into your workflow that you never have to leave that environment. And so that, that is the pretty unique piece of this all is that being mobile first was a prerequisite for high growth businesses.
0: And so yeah, you, you had to start there. Very, very interesting. I just
1: digest that for a moment, that is one hell of a quote.
0: <laughs> yeah, it actually is. We almost need that again. <laughs> it reminds me of research I did. Sheesh, it's got to be about two years ago, and I took all the top 1,000 uh, companies on the Fortune uh, Fortune 1,000 list. And I looked at all the mobile apps from all those companies, uh, gathered all those together and where they ranked, where they rated, how successful they were. And then I looked at the economic performance, financial performance of those companies and the companies that were doing better financially over the past year or multiple or or series of time had more mobile apps, had better mobile apps, had apps that were more popular. Of course, those were external outward facing apps. But you're talking about internal apps um, and apps that people use for, for company process. I want to talk a little bit about how you're building them. Um, what's that process look like? How's it work? I, I'm assuming that you're not getting on a platform yourself personally, but uh, t- talk to me a little bit about what that process looks like and and and, and how that, that platform works. So uh, as we think about
2: our process and how do we work forward, clearly we have a, a multidisciplinary team. So we have... Uh, architects, we have uh, coding experts, we have uh, we have design experts, we have product leaders, we have a whole uh, we have an agile team built together to really think about the the customer first. And I and I I realize we're talking about apps, but if you if you're not being customer first, then then you actually don't have anything to bring to your customers. And so as we think about our building process, we actually start we always start with the design and how we want the user to work through our process. And so we know we know the end outcome of we wanna drive growth. We know what the strategic questions are, but we actually wanna figure out how do we get them from those strategic questions to growth in the most efficient way. And so we start with the design. And once we've really nailed down the design, then we actually work through how do you actually put that into a, a mobile format? And so that that's what's pretty unique with our team is that we all are working very, very purposefully to what is that user experience that we want to deliver so that they actually come back. And that is the big thing, whether you you pick your favorite thing, and I, I spent a lot of time in, in MarkTech and sales tech and all this stuff. The number of people who open the application for the first time is quite high. The number of people who open up the second time is, is lower. And by the time you get to it, you know, if you look at most CRMs, the number of people using the mobile application for their CRM is like, 20% of a sales organization. It's horrible. Yeah. And so it's because it's not it's not worth the time. It's clunky. And so that's we we have to rethink that and you need to have a tech stack flexible enough and a low code setup flexible enough that you can actually do it quickly and on the fly.
0: It's interesting when you talk about your team of designers and developers because sometimes when you have developers and I've worked with I've led a development team in the past for for websites and for and for apps and there's a not invented here syndrome sometimes. <laughs> and a, like I build stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. I build from the ground up. How has your team of developers worked with the low code platform, and how's that felt for them? Uh,
2: well, John, you, you you nailed it a bit. I think it's a, yeah. everyone's been learning together, uh, and I think there's been there's been a lot of experience learned over the past twenty four months through this journey, and I think we're we're at a point now where where there's just built up trust and i think like with all teams whether whether we're trying to climb mount everest or we're trying to build the best strategic account planning app on the planet what we need in our cross-functional team is trust and we need to believe that we're all going to actually deliver on this and so yeah there's an element of just fundamental trust you need to put between the two teams to make the thing
1: work so we talked about how it is to build it let's talk about the speed, right? The speed of what your clients want, because especially now, you know, agility, it is like the buzzword. It has to be fast. It has to be flexible in these times. So um, using what exists, uh, what have you been able to perhaps in, in, in general terms, you know, performance or other uplift for you, for your clients? What's low code done for you?
2: I'll talk to the agility piece first, and then we can okay. talk about performance. But I think as we think about the development of our application, and again, with, with all of our her, uh, uh, colleagues on the follow team, when we started out on this process, we said we need to be agile in certain areas and we need to be strict in others. And the reason being is that we don't want people, we, the very foundation of what we talked about from the beginning is simplicity is key. And so we don't want to leave such an open-ended application that you can add whatever you want uh, and just create clutter within the app. Mm -hmm. And so what we, as we thought about our setup is we need clear structure, but then we're going to create flexibility and agility where you can, where we don't even have to be involved in the process and our customers are making all those design decisions. Mm -hmm. And so for example, whether it be, uh, you know, you follow the process, but you've got to add your whole, product stack and how is your products changing and what's going on or who are the competition that you're going after or you need agility that you're adding opportunities all the time in your crm or net new contacts or you're adding new people to your account team and so as we thought about the build out of our application we said these are the things that need massive amounts of agility and not only we have instant connection with crm with our applications so that if you change it in your crm by the time you flip over to your mobile app or to the tab, it's already in the system. And so for us, it's really about defining what were the areas that we needed massive, massive agility and what were the things that we didn't want to let them have control because we need them to follow the process. And so that's uh, to me, the definition of agility for us is it should always feel like you're in one system and there should never be, there should never be that disconnect. It should never feel disconnected that, okay, I'm moving to a new application. So I've got to wait, uh, five to 10 minutes before these things to sync up that, to us. That wasn't success. And so, uh, as we built out the low code and how we thought about, uh, the development process was, these are our must haves. And then how do we build out the application based on those things?
1: I like that because it makes it feel as if because it's so flexible, you know, you almost have like your bucket list, right? Of these are the things I would have if I really could. I mean, has it been that way? Is it something where it's it's things you couldn't conceive of building before that now you can build or even, or even, even for that matter, push the envelope a little bit, you know, break some rules and really do what you need, not what the rules are of the tech.
2: Yeah, you know, we we feel like we've <laughs> we've moved light years <laughs> in a very short period of time uh and i think the the reality is is that the tech has kept up with us and i think that that is uh that is what is unique about this situation is that you know if we talked 24 months ago this was still an idea if we talked 12 months ago we were designing uh, and then when we actually built the whole thing out both from our our desktop setup and our low code setup we were done and dusted in about you know uh 60 to 90 days which is incredible to go from a bunch of ideas to actually a fully completed uh integrated application that has both desktop and <laughs> low code agile first approach in in 90 days was just incredible to us and then what you know you, you got to iterate but th- that is r- rapid speed
0: that is really fascinating. You, you yeah. mentioned that before as well, that when you were done, the desktop version, you were also done the mobile version. I mean, it was right. it was synchronous. It was working together. I wanted to dive a little deeper. You talked about design. We're, we're talking enterprise here. We're talking major brands, and it matters to a major company and a major brand that it looks the way they want it to look, that it has the features they want it to have and sometimes you you worry in a low code environment will i be able to do what i need to do will will i be as flexible as i need to be did you have that uh, issue or were w- w- was everything there possible and available in terms of design and features
2: we we are working with enterprise accounts so you could be doing 100% growth but when you're talking about the likes of of disney's and walmart's and and things of that size and scale growing 20 to 30% is insane and to to do that you actually need to have that flexibility i think the the challenge, especially when we're you're going to organizations of that size and scale, when you have a hundred sales, sales reps, five hundred sales reps, five thousand sales reps, you know, we need we need the flexibility to scale the application up and down, but we also need to have it regimented enough that there is a standard approach to enabling the organization, so it's not a net new build every time. And more importantly, how do we make sure that when you actually go and train that sales organization on how to be strategic? and how to leverage the app to be strategic. Uh, we need a really, really well-built out approach to make sure it's so easy and intuitive to get up to speed. And so, as we think about, you know, f- fundamentally the flexibility for those enterprise applications, one, you gotta be able to put their product stack in there. Two, you gotta put their competitors in there. You gotta adjust based on the people, people have tons and tons of different roles floating around and you need different access points for all that stuff. And so, building pre-building in all of that into our, our app uh, was really important. But then at the end of the day, we need we need to have a really simple, simple, simple delivery approach so that we don't have 20% adoption rate on our, our mobile app. We have 100% adoption rate on our mobile app. And so it should just be that stinking simple.
1: Well, I know from the prep that you were actually very excited, Greg, because you're seeing people who were absolute the opposite of mobile first saying, hey, you know what? You know, text, uh, speech text is pretty cool. I'm going to use this, right? So so what are some of the surprises? What are some of the features that are critical and and, and what you're seeing in high demand? Because it is not just a tech change, it's a mindset change, and it's enabled by this technology that, as you said, it's super simple and and can keep with the crowd that you're building it for.
2: Yeah, so you've nailed it. I think that was one of the most interesting things as we went through the rollout process with many of our accounts was, you know, a lot of the strategic thinking you're doing is, okay, wh- how, who is my buyer? What matters to them? What are their financial metrics that they need to personally drive over the next period? And how am I going to help them with it? So it's, that's some deep thinking. And you could sit in front of your computer for hours trying to think through the right answer. That's that's not our goal. Uh, but certainly uh, w- one of the big pieces, what was pretty unique as we went out and spent more time with our clients and many of the folks on the road is that, they said, you know, I could sit in front of my computer, but I'm I'm in sales. And before COVID, I'm always on the go. I'm in coffee shops. I'm working everywhere. And the actual ability to do speech-to-text and using the mobile app, the native, natively built-in speech-to-text in, in the mobile app was fantastic. And they said, oh, my goodness, the simplicity of this, the speed of this. And there's just massive, massive... Uh, Promoters built into this process as they got close, as they realized the feature functionality that was was built in the app was pretty unique.
0: That is really interesting. I can totally imagine sales reps wanting that and liking that and enjoying that because there's less that they actually have to tap on a little device or type in later or something like that. You can give it fresh while it's right in your memory and all those sorts of things. Yeah, this has been really really interesting, Greg. Bringing it to a close right now, I guess maybe I'd ask sort of one, you know, sort of general. Question: If you had some tips for executives in enterprise who are considering building, whether it's internal or external apps in low code, what would those be?
2: Well, one, consider it. Mean, <laughs> I mean, let's let's start with the easy one. Uh, there are there are horror stories every day of people spending millions and millions of dollars building applications and getting nothing for it. And so there there, there is lots of great stuff out there, but fundamentally. Uh, you know, challenge the status quo and be, be willing to try something new because, uh, just going at it the old way probably isn't worth it. There's been massive, massive advances in how people are thinking about these things. So one, if you're not considering it, put it on your list and ask your team. Uh, you know, and I, and I think the the second thing I'd encourage, encourage executives to think about is you're not just buying a you're not just buying tech, you're actually buying a team. And so you need a team that can really work cohesively with your own teams to actually deliver the solution you want. If, if what you're paying for is just a little bit of tech and, you know, a hope and a prayer and that people figure it out, you're probably going to get that as your outcome. And so just, just one, consider it. And two, think about it as a team and not a tech solution. And when you can bring those two pieces together, that's really where you get the rapid results.
0: That's amazing. Uh that's really, really good. Greg, I want to thank you for joining us on the Low Code Ninjas podcast. You are just our second guest. This is brand new. We are just <laughs> starting this out. We really do appreciate you. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Thanks, Peggy.
1: Thank you, Greg. And it was a great show because I think we learned a lot about, well, thinking differently about the enterprise. I mean, you guys are pretty mobile savvy. So I'm impressed. <laughs> great to have you here and everyone here as well you know thanks for tuning in and there's going to be more in the series for sure and you can subscribe we are a podcast we're also on all the usual platforms so go there check us out and we'll be coming back with many more
0: excellent until then this is John here for Low Code Ninjas
1: and this is Peggy Salt signing off stay well keep safe